Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. And today we're going to talk about the latest in battery technology or how to capture sunlight in a bottle. Wow. That's I don't know how thing. you come up with these topics, but... Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I'm amazed. So. <laughs> You're giving me a look like not that amazing. Yeah. Okay. No, there is not goats. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so let's talk about how batteries work because right. I think they're pretty complicated, aren't they? Well, you know, they are and they're not. You could make anything really complicated. But essentially, all the way back to uh, Alexander Volta, who created the very first working battery, um, which he called the voltaic pile, But there are really only three parts to a typical battery. There's an anode, which is the negatively charged bit, the cathode, which is the positively charged bit, and then there's an electrolyte that keeps these two things separated. And the way you get electricity is when electrons flow from one to the other. So if one's positively, one's negatively, and they're separated and they can't recombine because everything in the universe wants to get to some state of zen, some state of harmony, then you get electricity flow when you create a circuit. And once those things are in complete harmony with each other, what do we call that when we're talking about batteries? Life. No. (laughs) A dead battery. A dead battery. A dead battery, right? So a dead battery is basically what Well, it could be life. Well, eventually, eventually we're in that same state. That's right. But, uh, But this is basically how batteries work. So you have an imbalance- of, of charge and something separating them so they can only combine by some sort of circuit. And it seems to me like batteries haven't really changed all that much uh, since they were invented. So, so what are some of the issues about batteries and how we use them? And Yeah, well, work? the very first batteries, of course, even like the potato batteries you made in grade school or whatever, um, a lot of those things, the lead-acid battery has become sort of the, the standard. Uh, They've been around forever. Um, But in recent years, we're seeing more and more of our products, more and more of our technology relying on lithium-ion batteries. And conceptually, it's the same. Well, the way they're made, the way they function. um, There's really all – you've got a negative, you've got a positive, and you're keeping those things from mixing, having to go through a circuit. So in that way, all batteries operate the same. But there are certain issues around batteries that that we need to address. One has to do with energy density, which is essentially how much weight, how much volume is there for a certain amount of energy this thing is going to produce. So the more energy dense a battery is, the lighter and smaller it can be. That's why lithium ion has that advantage over lead acid. That's why you don't carry around a lead acid battery in your cell phone because first you off, wouldn't be able to. It was so slosh. Heavy. It was slosh around. <laughs> yeah, and, but you're just pointing out that's energy density. Another has to do with charging memory. Some of the old NiCad batteries, for instance, you had to fully discharge them all the way because they would develop a memory, and that causes problems. The rate of how quickly a battery charges—that's another big issue. And we're seeing that with cell phones. I mean, you see any any millennial, any teenage kid now is is all freaked out about how long it takes for their cell phone to charge because they're out of communication for 10 minutes. So that's an issue. But electric vehicles are a bigger issue. If it takes you six hours to recharge your electric vehicle, that's a long stop at your local gas station, you know. But if it takes you 10 minutes, 
well, that's acceptable. So that's something that, that is changing in battery technologies. Self-discharge is another issue. We've all experienced this where you set a battery somewhere, a battery on the shelf or whatever, come back and it's dead. You know, if you leave it alone over time, it loses some of its charge. So that's how quickly they self-discharge. And they're coming up with batteries that don't self-discharge really at all. So you charge them and they're going to hold that charge for a long, long time. Life expectancy, how long is this thing going to last? That's a big deal, especially again with electric vehicles. If, if the major part of an electric car is its battery and the battery is only going to last a year, well, that's not a very practical car. But if that battery is going to last 10 years or 20 years, it becomes a big deal. So, so I want to ask the question when you bring that up. When you're talking about um, the different types of batteries and everything, what I just kept thinking about, well, what parts of these batteries are recyclable? Because it seems like they have harmful chemicals and what they do to the environment when they're thrown into the garbage. And mm -hmm. so, so what parts are? Well, lead acid batteries have been a big success story from that standpoint. Even though you're really talking about sulfuric acid, which could be harmful, you're talking about lead, which could be very harmful environmentally. It is very harmful. Right, but, but about 99.9% .9 of lead-acid batteries are recycled. So it has been very successful. In fact, when you go and buy a typical lead-acid battery, you have to pay a deposit. It's the old you know, pop bottle thing you know, where you get that money back when you bring back the old battery because it's recycled. Lithium-ion currently has a big problem in that regard. Because even though it's a better technology for a lot of the reasons I was just talking about, they're not currently economically uh, recharged. And uh, I mean, recycled, recharged. They recharge fine. But recycling. Well, until they're dead. Yeah, until and they're then dead. And then the they're thrown is. away. Yeah. But, but the problem with lithium ion goes beyond that because they're very environmentally harmful. Yeah. Um, there's uh, some issues around where they're harvested. Um, most of the lithium in the world, more than 50%, is in three countries, um, the ABCs, Argentina, Bolivia, Chile. Um, so, is Bolivia? I thought it was Brazil. No, Bolivia. Okay. And um, then there's also some in Tibet. They're in these very remote, um, arid, dry areas. Um, lithium is a salt, you know, that's, it's, right. it's an element, but it is a salt. And so not only do you have the issue of, of extraction economies where people are, are really put under any time people are harvesting, uh, like the blood diamond kind of situation, you're really taking advantage of local populations in the mining, but they use huge amounts of water. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's some discussions in Bolivia that half of all of the water in that country is being used for mining of lithium. And they bring this up in these great huge pools and they basically let the water evaporate and then they harvest the salt. And if these pools break loose, there have been examples of massive wildlife kills, uh, fish kills, yeah, livestock kills. Sense, doesn't it? So it creates a problem unto itself. And as we become more and more dependent upon lithium, uh, that problem's just going to get worse. 
So, so how have lithium-ion batteries driven the electric vehicle market? Well, lithium-ion batteries have driven not just the electric vehicle market, but they've driven a lot of consumer electronics like your laptops, uh, your cell phones. I mean, cell phones would not be what they are without lithium-ion batteries. Uh, and a lot of that is because the cost of these batteries has dropped hugely, very dramatically. In fact, in uh, 2010, it cost, and, and I know this isn't going to mean much to a lot of people, but it was basically $1,200 per kilowatt hour of energy that was produced, per 1,000 watt hours of energy. Um, so in 2010, it was $1,200. In 2019, it was $156. Uh, by 2023, it's estimated it'll drop below $100. So really a factor of 10 or 12 times what it was just really a decade ago. So if the price is a one-tenth of what it was 10 years ago, then clearly this technology is going to get integrated into um, a lot of products. And with the electric vehicle, as you asked, um, about 30% of the cost of an electric vehicle is the battery. So if you're now paying only 10% of what you paid even just 10 years ago, then those electric vehicles become more and more affordable. And not only is the battery getting more affordable, it's getting better. It's getting better in all of those measurements. But it seems wrong because <laughs> okay, well, it let's shouldn't stop be then. <laughs> cheaper. It shouldn't be cheaper because the cost, the true cost of these things are enormous to the environment and also, I think, to young people, to children that extract sure. these things. And so it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me why it's cheaper. Well, that gets back to the whole economics of externalized costs. So, you know, you could make the same argument about almost anything we consume, you know, the plastics well, what the industries. the cost is, we don't pay. Yeah, yeah, we don't. But... In very real terms, assuming all of those externalized costs existed before, it's a heck of a lot cheaper. Now, from an externalized cost, it's, prob it's a bigger problem because as things get cheaper, you consume more and more of it. So yeah. those external costs get more and more. And those are going to be borne by the poorest people yes. in the most remote regions. But I ain't going to fix that sitting here. You know, I guess... I don't have a solution for it, except we all need to just go to solar and win. And there are alternatives on the horizon. All right. Let's hear all about right. new so, innovations in so battery according, technology. In the world of, of Annie, lithium-ion is, is, is bad. And, well, and I'm going to agree with you on that, even though I'm kind of a, a – I love technology. I agree lithium-ion has to be a transition from lead acid to whatever is yeah, next. Yeah, I hope we hurry up because it's really pathetic. Well, we don't know what's going to be next. Um, the first step, like any new technology, is they're tweaking the lithium ion. So one of the things that they're experimenting with is uh, lithium sulfur batteries. And lithium sulfur batteries use a lot less of these environmentally damaging components but are also four times as energy dense. So essentially you're getting four times as much energy for the same amount of size and product and things of that nature. I, I just want to say, though, the reason they're doing that is because lithium is not unlimited. That's and true. And they realize that. And also because these countries often have unstable governments. So they're being forced to look other places. They're not doing it because it's bad 
the, the external cost. Well, of I that. think they're looking at it and saying, I can make more money with this new technology. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, that's, that's not terrible. I mean, if the re- end result and the promise of lithium sulfur is that you will get 620 miles to, to a battery charge on your vehicle. Well, that gets past that whole range anxiety issue that has been limiting um, electric vehicles where you worry that I charge it up, but I can only go 50 miles. Well, I don't want to have to recharge my battery every 50 miles. That's, that's not so good. Um, so, so that's an option. They're also looking at substituting uh, silicon for the graphite that's in these batteries. That is supposedly giving them three times the performance of the battery. So that's not going to solve your problem, which is, you know, the externalized <laughs> cost. running the earth with yeah. it. <laughs> but it's going to solve the problem of the person with a cell phone that hates having to recharge it all the time. Oh, so now you're going so to have batteries that last like five days, you know, cell phones that last five days on a single charge. I mean, how is that not a better world? Right. You don't want me to answer <laughs> You're that. Giving me so, that are one. there other new innovations? Oh, in there are always new innovations. But before I get into the new, new and exciting technologies, there are some ways that they're handling the charging process, and there is a goal. They refer to it as XFC or extremely fast charging. Everybody loves their acronyms, but the goal here really focuses on on uh, vehicle charging. And they're looking to be able to get 200-mile range with a 10-minute charge. And they're, they're approaching that through some of the ways that they're dealing with temperature in the, in the charging process. So it's not just about battery technologies. It's also about some of the innovations surrounding the way you manage and charge batteries. Inconvenience. Humans hate it. Oh, we certainly do. Yes. And speaking of inconvenience... I will remind you that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. I want to remind you that it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God, but it's not happening fast enough. (laughs) Not not for you, but it is the end of the battery technology as we know it. Not quite. Not quite. I'm ready. I'm ready. But there are other things I want to. Well, the one, okay, I'm going to give you a battery that I think even you will like the saltwater battery. (laughs) Saltwater batteries, um, this is uh, technology that's been around for a while. Uh, there's a company called Aqueous, uh, which is headquartered in Pittsburgh, came out of, uh, what is it, Melanie, uh, um, Melanie, uh, Carnegie Mellon uh-huh. University. That's in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Um, I yeah. think it's called University, is it? I don't know. It's called Joe. Um, okay, so so Aquian, <laughs> uh, they've, they've essentially taken what is ascent, what is seawater to a large extent and created batteries that are fully functioning from this. Uh, they've won all sorts of awards about this uh, for green. There's there's no harmful envi- environmental risk. Yeah, good luck with that because there's always a harmful environmental risk whenever you build up a technology. But um, there's no risk of explosions, no risk of fires, no corrosion. What happens to the salt water when you can't use the battery anymore? Uh, I don't know. You're going to dump it, dump it back in the sea. Full of plastic threads. Uh, Possibly. Who knows? We every new technology creates unintended consequences. So I don't want to say this is. It is cleaner. Is it perfectly clean? Probably not. 
But but now that IBM's gotten into the saltwater battery world too, people in the industry are starting to take this a little more seriously. Uh, up until now, it was just a startup company funded in large part by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So that's where they got a lot of the money. Uh, there's another new technology out there called Aluminum Air. Aluminum Air has a lot of promise for the automobile, for the batteries in automobiles. Uh, what this does is it actually uses oxygen from the air as part of the cathode within the battery. It's lighter. And the expectation is it can get more than a thousand miles to the charge. So um, now you're starting to see this concept of taking new technologies as the electric vehicle becomes a thing. Um, it, it gives a marketplace for some of these technologies that really didn't have an outlet before. And it's going to be exciting. I mean, if electric vehicles, now I'm, I'm going to look at you and think even this, you've got to view this as a positive, <laughs> right? To get rid of the gasoline, the internal combustion engine, replace it with vehicles that are cleaner, not clean, but cleaner, um, and, and more economical. Just in time for people not to drive anymore. Mm, yeah, except that's not going to happen. And, of course, you make these things more available. You bring the cost of driving down. What's the logical result? More people driving. I, I don't think that's true, but you uh, go for it. No. I don't think so. I think people are driving less and less and less. Well, let's hope. We, uh, that's for the millennials to decide. Yeah. Um, there's some other technologies like uh, gold nanowire technologies. Um, they're integrating this into some of the construction techniques of batteries. And where this really comes into has to do with batteries wearing out. Uh, with this technology, they've done some testing and they found that uh, you can recharge a battery uh, over 200,000 times with wow. no perceptible degrading of that battery. Wow. So once again, that's a good thing, right? You make a battery that essentially lasts forever, you don't have to make as many of them. Very anti-American. Yeah, that we'll do, we'll put an end to that. <laughs> no, but they had the bottom out and threw it away <laughs> like they did before. Mm -hmm. And there's a, another technology, foam foam batteries. Foam batteries sound pretty cool, but what that's doing is you, when you get into the architecture of a battery, there as I mentioned before, there's an anode and there's a cathode. Those are essentially two-dimensional things. You know, think of them like flat pieces of paper, and the electrons are going between these two flat things through that electrolyte. But a foam battery takes that two dimensions and turns it into almost like a spongy structure of three dimensions. And the anode is, or the, the electrolyte is the foam that surrounds a three dimensional structure. Uh, the net result of that is that they're longer lasting, they will charge a lot faster, they're non-flammable, I keep saying flammable, non-toxic. In fact, with this battery, they said the only um, acid that they use is citric acid. But what's is, the foam made of? I, uh, I don't know, foam. <laughs> 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 they claim that it's all like vegetable-based, so it's non-petroleum. Um, they're really looking at this as part of this whole idea of wearable batteries. You know, um, they're oh, really wanting to encompass so your terrible. body. I know, I know. Well, oh, it gets word. it gets worse when you start getting into. Um, they're going to implant them into your eye. Or no, something. they want batteries with the clothing, and they recharge with the motion of the body. And they're be healthy. Uh, probably not, but I think there's another thing like wireless charging. 
which is really aye, super aye, cool, aye. right? That wouldn't be good at <laughs> all. They're zapping you. I know. Well, what could be wrong with electricity flowing and, through? And you might be being zapped, but then I'm going to get zapped <laughs> too, and I don't even want to. Well, it also what it what it does what <laughs> it does is it, at its heart is when they're doing wireless charging, they're essentially converting electricity to sound waves, like. Uh, Inaudible. So we're all going to go deaf. Yeah, and the poor dogs are going to go crazy. But uh, they're they're essentially then going to beam these energy sound waves. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I wrong, suspect wrong. that's going to cause some unintended consequences. Everybody but, better race out and invest in some kind of hearing aid. Well, business. some of the applications that they're they're billing the initial applications is of course wireless recharging of a mobile phone because it's too hard to plug these things in and uh, wireless charging of um, electric vehicles. But you know wireless, all I can think of is how it's going to influence how your body system operates. Mm-hmm. Is floating around is going to influence your, your, your systems inside your body. Hey, net benefits for the pharmaceutical industry, a win-win. So. And, and the mortuary. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, that's that, once again, externalized costs. So. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> My God. But, you know. But people are going to benefit economically. What the heck? All right. Let me back up and basically say I am not advocating these as good versus evil. I know that. I just, but Uh, you love technology, whatever. I do. I find it super cool. It's like when people say, oh, the atomic bomb, you know. It's like not our fault that they (laughs) actually used the discovery of atoms to kill people. Like who couldn't see that coming? Uh, Apparently nobody. You're digressing away from batteries here. It's it's I don't have any atomic batteries, I'm sorry to say. Not yet. Well, there is one. Here's one. Solar-powered screens on on electric devices. Basically, they've come up with these. um, You can just put like a little screen cover on your mobile phone or your laptop or it can be on a lot of things. And it converts the solar into – into a charging process oh, for your so phone. So you put it put it in on a window. You could on any window of any vehicle. Um, so so that's an option. It's not so really a battery anyway. Everywhere. Yeah, it's not a battery technology, but it's a way of recharging or keeping these things charged. Um, so it would just be a matter of you're just consistently feeding the system with energy, like you're plugged into the socket in the wall instead of having a battery that holds the energy for when you need it. Right. And so you're using solar to recharge these things where otherwise you might be using some other that more damaging better. fuel. Yeah, it's better. Because it's not it's not requiring a lot of chemicals. Well, remember when I said wireless charging takes electricity or energy and converts it into sound waves? Well, there is also a way of taking sound waves and converting into electricity. And there is some experiments where people speaking on a mobile phone will actually recharge that mobile phone. Taking I know a lot of people ambient. that could do that. <laughs> I know. It was probably <laughs> burst into flames. Know, you know? <laughs> Whoa, slow down. Yeah, Your battery's stop overheating. Stop those cuss words. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Now, another thing that we're moving into is the world of organic batteries. So you're taking – you're getting away from some of these um, – a more acid-based or salt-based batteries into this world of organic compounds. 
Uh, which, What's that mean, organic compost? Well, they're, they're more, I guess, carbon-based would be an example. But the one that everybody loves, and this one's um, funded, again, by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is urine-powered batteries. Oh, there's a lot of people full of urine. <laughs> right. Well, you can claim the Gates Foundation, you know. that's. Uh, but but this is kind of a cute idea. Um, cute. Well, and, and but you're taking – Waste products and turning them into energy, you know, yeah, which is but not a new thing. We've been talking about that forever and saying, why aren't we doing more of it? Right, so right. good for them. Well done. So that's once, uh, you know, now the question with any technology is just because you can do a thing, are you should going you? to do that thing? Not necessarily should yeah. you, but is the alternative cheaper, better, more efficient, all of that? Okay, we Less can make a battery out of, out of urine. There might be applications for that. Like, I don't know. Everybody pees into a bucket, then <laughs> yeah. it gets sanitized, okay. and we full of— This is not the direction I was hoping <laughs> this particular discussion I like this would go. idea. <laughs> All right. Now, another thing that's taking up a lot of discussion in this field has to do with um, solid-state versus liquid electrolytes. And I know that doesn't sound all that, you know, interesting, sexy. It's not like urine— um, <laughs> I didn't know urine was sexy, but okay, you go for it. <laughs> I won't even get into a political discussion around that. But uh, um, so, so solid state has a lot of advantages. If you think about one of the issues with batteries is that they sometimes explode. They sometimes catch on fire. Um, well, now you've got a solid unit. So, so there is no danger of that. So can't escape. Yeah, well, there's not going to be any leaking. There's not going to be any of those consequences. But it would last liquid. forever. It might. It, it might. should if that's what they're going to do. I would think. Um, I would think that that would be an inherent advantage. Now, so far we've been talking about small consumer and and automobile type batteries, but when you talk about solar and wind, which we've talked about on this program before, if you wanted a battery that would work on a city level or larger. Um, campus levels, things of that nature, then you begin to look at batteries that that have to be constructed differently. And the one that's holding a lot of promise are referred to as flow batteries. Um, so the the downside on wind and solar, people will always say the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow. If you can store that energy when it's available and use it later, we can begin to moving as a nation, as a world, to a renewable energy-based um, system, uh, but but the battery technology has been the big the big holdup. Most energy at that level is stored in the form of water, where you move the water to a higher level, then you drop it down using gravity through turbines, and you generate energy later when when the sun's not shining, when it's not blowing. So these flow batteries are kind of like that, where you have two different tanks of liquid. And these two tanks of liquids, one's positively charged, one's negatively charged. And through the magical process of renewable energy, um, at one part during this, when you're, when you're creating that imbalance, later the electrons will flow the opposite direction. Um, now, I know I'm not explaining this very well, and I don't mean to explain it totally well, but the big difference here is the bigger the, the tank – the bigger the battery. So um, everything else stays the same, but you can just make bigger and bigger tanks of these liquids. And ultimately, you've got a very cost-efficient way of, of um, backing up the electrical grid. 
So that's going to be huge. Well, the thing that I keep thinking about is where where is the government in all this? Because the reality is this takes money for research and development. And I feel like that's had a lot to do with why battery technology has not moved forward at a faster pace. Well, batteries are the next big frontier in renewable energy. And we're beginning to see this innovation. We're not yet even to the floppy disk age of batteries. We're just getting started. But Pioneering it's, days. It's really exciting. And it's going to be huge. I mean, this is where the billionaires of the future are going to come out of the energy storage industry. And it's not going to look anything like what we, what we currently experience. Well, I hope they do better with the environment. All right. Well, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our Emmy Award-winning producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother probably told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and take better care of your batteries. Okay. <laughs> Till next time. Bye-bye. Will sing and her children will be You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.